I'd like to welcome up our next speaker, Mr. Andy Wells. He is here and he is the Missouri chapter president of No Left Turn in Education, the first national grassroots movements of common sense parents and community members who believe that K through 12 education should not focus on social justice, sexualization or sexual confusion of children, but that the parents are best to decide what social issues their children should learn about. So, Mr. Andy Wells. And then I think he's uh, gonna also share his computer, but come on up first so people can see you. Hi, how y'all doing? Um, I'm gonna be sharing my computer so you guys can see the same PowerPoint presentation and then you can hear me as, as we're kind of going through this, okay? Um, I got a ton of information to get through in a short amount of time, just because the absolute craziness that's going on in K through 12 schools. And I want to try to inform as many people as possible about what's going on and how to fight back against it. Uh, because I mean, to be honest, just it's scary. It really is truly scary. All right, can everybody see the no left turn education sign? Yeah. All right, awesome. All right, basically some of the areas of indoctrination that are going on today um, critical race theory. Some people have heard about it. They don't understand what it is. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. What does it mean? By the way, anybody who wants these slides, I'll give you a card. I'll put out my email address or Rich can put out his email address. Anybody who wants this information, I'll get it out to you because I want people to have this information. I want them to be able to share it with their friends and inform other people what's going on. I'm going to talk about math equity, 1619 project, what it is, what it really is. BLM at school, and then of course the biggest thing for the transgender indoctrination and the comprehensive sex education that's being pushed in our schools today, which like I said is very, very scary. So what is critical race theory? You're gonna hear people from the alt left side try to say, oh no, critical race theory isn't bad. Critical race theory isn't a bad, no, it's a good way to teach kids how to deal with different races. No, critical race theory is Marxism. It is a neo-Marxist idea. What they basically did is they took Marxism that used to exist of the class warfare, you know, how Russia became a, a Marxist country. They used class warfare. Well, the problem is in America, we can't use class warfare because in America, we anybody can rise from nothing to become uh, anything they want, right? So it's really difficult to use class warfare in America. So instead of class warfare, a bunch of people got together and they said, all right, hey, let's use something different. So here's a little history on it. First of all, Karl Marx and Frederick Engels wrote the, the manifesto of the Communist Party they were the father of this. Then it came to the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School in Germany said, okay, we're going to take these ideas of Karl Marx and we're going to turn it into critical theory of how we flip a country's government, right? How we take a country and divide people and, create, and turn them into a Marxist country. Then in the 1970s, we had a couple of course college guys, college professors, yay, from Harvard got together and they said, you know what? We can't, and by the way, both uh, uh, Derek Bell is an admitted socialist. 
He, he thinks socialism and Marxism is a great way to go. So they knew they couldn't use class warfare because it would never work. So they said, let's put a race-based aspect to it and use race to divide people. And a class, instead of class warfare, we'll have racial warfare or racial division. 1970s, of course, we're dealing with all the racial upheaval of the time. They thought it was a perfect way to get it in. And they got into the legal portion. Then in 1995, listen, anybody that tells you critical race theory or the ideas are not in K through 12 schools, they are lying. They are absolutely built in to our school systems. They were brought in initially in 1995 by the teaching theorist, uh, Gloria Lanson Billings. She was the one who first got this idea of taking race and looking at school and education through a lens of race. Again, how to divide the kids in school versus how to divide the kids by class warfare. That's where it's coming from. So what's the arguments against critical race theory in schools? I mean, if you don't understand, like I said, there's a whole lot of information here. I'm trying to go kind of fast. I'm sorry. If I'm going too fast, I'll, I'll be more glad to talk with anybody about it. First, racism has no place in public education. Any rational person realizes racism has no place in schools. Critical race theory, it violates the parent's right to direct the kid's education. It takes the parent out of it because now the parents might be have no racial tendencies at all, but the school's telling them that because they're white, they're inherently uh, bad because they were born with privilege, which is absolutely nuts. CRT teaches their children to treat people based on their skin color instead of character, exactly the opposite of Martin Luther King Jr. Damages emotional intelligence of the children, damages their sense of security and belonging. So a school gets a hold of a kid and says, okay, you are now biased because, yeah, you might have been friends with your black friend or a kid of another race oh you but you do realize that you're you think you're better than him whether you know it or not and it's just it's dividing the kids it, it it's nuts um it creates a state sanctioned racism critical race theory creates when you start segregating people by race that is the definition of racism crt is not good it's also comp compelled speech and it fosters resentment. So, like I said, it's already infiltrated our public schools across the nation. And the problem is a lot of people don't realize it because they're sneaking in under different names. If anybody has not been paying attention to the news, I, I got to give the neo-Marxist and neo-socialist, I, I actually almost am, am in awe of them sometimes of how good a job they are at marketing and how good a job they are at changing the meanings of things to fit what they want, not what they really are. So yeah, they've changed the name. Oh no, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That sounds great. Culturally responsive education. Well, that sounds good. So while they're doing the tenets of critical race theory, they're doing the teaching, there's never going to be a class called critical race theory. But you know what? 
I, I mean, I've looked in, uh, I've looked in a few states so far and I've looked at a lot of state curriculum and state teaching requirements. Has anybody ever heard of a class called arithmetic? Has anybody ever actually seen a class called arithmetic in school? I've never seen one. It's not on any of our learning standards. But what is arithmetic? Arithmetic is addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and fractions. Are those being taught in school? Absolutely. But they don't have a class called arithmetic. Is critical race theory in schools or its concepts? Absolutely. They just don't have it named as a class called critical race theory. So we need to start understanding that how the other side is getting this stuff in. And when we understand it, it's easier for us to recognize it. See where we're going there? Ah, uh, the good old oppression matrix. I don't know if any of you have seen this or not. This has been, this was actually out of a school district in the state of Missouri. There is a federal lawsuit going on right now about this because they forced teachers to identify themselves on this. So I'm going to try to explain this to you a little bit. If you look at like racism, right? A privileged group is white people and oppressed group are black, brown, Asian, and then bi pe biracial people are border, right? Well, now let's get into what we've been talking about, which is, you know, the, the gender expression, all right? Gender conforming people are privileged, but transgender people are now oppressed. Um, religious oppression, Protestant or Christians, they're privileged, Jews, Muslim, Hindu, Sikhs, they're oppressed. You can kind of see where this is going. So the whole idea is they are giving this to children. And they are going to convince a 14-year-old white kid who happens to not to be straight and has no attraction towards other boys, understands that he is a boy. His family makes, some, makes a decent living because he's got, you know, working parent and he's got a two-parent home and he's, he doesn't have any disabilities and he goes to church on Sunday. Well, all of a sudden... This kid's about as privileged as you can get, according to the left, but his best friend might be black and parents are a little bit poor. So now they're dividing him and his friend based on these values. It's nuts. Why are we telling kids there's something that trying to force an ideology down children's throats? It's absolute insanity to me. Uh, the new definitions versus old definitions. Like I said, this is a lot of information, so I'll send it to you. Let me give you the short version. Diversity used to be really good. It was, it was everybody, you recognized the, the diversity of everybody based on who they were. And a good diverse society, being a diverse society was a good thing. Now it's separating people. Equity. Equity should be, should be that everybody starts out from an equal starting point and then how much they excel is on them individually. What equity in education has become is they want equal outcomes. And I know in a lot of states, what they're doing is they're actually giving schools more money if the kids' grades are closer together at the end of the school year, they are considered more equitable Therefore, they get more money from the state. 
okay, let me give you a little, real quick little thought process on here. If you have a kid with 150 IQ, genius level IQ, and you have a kid in school with an 80 IQ, which is on the lower end of the spectrum, he's not considered mentally disabled, but it's pretty low IQ. Still able, you can still graduate high school with an 80 IQ. It is absolutely a normal thing. How do you take the kid with 150 IQ and the kid with the 80 IQ and they have the same grade or close grades close together at the end of the year? You have to make the class so easy that the child that should be getting a C, you're going to have to move him up. And then the kid that is should be getting an A out of it, you're going to have to find a way to basically dumb them down. It's dumbing down our society. If you look across the United States right now, you can see schools are removing gifted and talented classes. Why are they getting rid of the gifted and talented classes? Because that rewards kids who are more intelligent. I don't know. I kind of would like the new researchers and doctors and scientists of the future. You know, I, I, want, I want somebody kind of smart who's going to be doing surgery on me. I, I, call me crazy, but, you know. So equity in education is absolutely horrible. And then inclusion. This one, the new definition for inclusion, and that's the one that just really, it also drives me nuts. Their idea is the only way that we can be an inclusive society because they say our society is built on racism is we have to destroy the society. We have to tear down our institutions and rebuild them. Say what? Using and equity as a model that everybody gets the same thing in the end. Like I said, it's, it's nuts. So math equity. Did you know math is racist? Of course. Oh, yeah. Math is racist now. <laughs> I, I, and I'm not kidding. I, I'm absolutely serious. This is, this is not something. I didn't just make this up. This is from actual work that I've gotten from schools throughout the state of Missouri and other schools across the country. Here's why they say the examples of why math is taught that represents white supremacy. If you focus on the correct answer, then supposedly you are being oppressive to kids that might not get the right answer and you shouldn't be putting them down because they didn't get the right answer. So, <laughs> So, so that's racist. That's racist. And, and if you make the work difficult that the kids actually have to put forth effort, well, now you're making them struggle and struggle is bad for children. So that's racist requiring them to show work. Oh my What kind of terrible person are you? You're requiring them to actually show how they got the answer. You're horrible. You're a racist. Independent learning versus teamwork. No, we should all be able to work together and share our work and share our answers so we all have equal grades in the end. Yeah, this is, I, I'm serious. This is, this stuff is nuts. Okay. Equity versus equality. I like equality. Equality is everybody got the same box, right? So everybody gets the same starting point 
And depending upon their height, they got to see a different point of view. Equity, no, equity is the same outcome. Now everybody's the same height at the end. I think that's a pretty good example. All right, so under critical race theory, the whole idea is future generations are being taught that white people are oppressors and that our nation was founded on racism and that they will never get a fair chance because it's racist. And the only way to fix the problems is in the U.S. is to divide our nation and they can just run the Constitution through a shredder and we can turn it into a socialist state where everybody gets the same thing in the end. And that's the end goal. It's neo-socialism. So critical race theory, I... I, I Critical race theory, Yorkshire hog. Diversity, equity, inclusion, potbelly pig. Social emotional learning, and I didn't get into it a lot because it's there's a whole lot of information there. It's basically just a way to bring critical race theory into schools. Red river hog. And trauma-informed teaching, which was actually supposed to be a really great way to teach kids who have trauma in their lives. I'm an adoptive parent. I got three daughters who came from a drug house. They were extremely traumatized, physically, mentally, emotionally, in other ways, they were traumatized. What should have happened is my kids should have gotten help with, with their education because of their traumatic background. So they look at that and they take that into account how my kids would learn in school because they do have some trauma in their past. Instead, now they're saying that just because you are, that because, um, because you are born a certain color or you're a certain gender identity or sexual orientation that is oppressed, now you're automatically traumatized. Guess what? You're a, you're a woman and you're not married. Oh, you're traumatized. You've, you're, you're older. Oh, 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 you're traumatized. Or your young kid, you're traumatized. So they took what should have been a good thing, trauma-informed education or trauma-informed teaching, and they perverted it. So 1619 Project, real quick, down and dirty on this. If you haven't heard about it, you need to educate yourself because it's being taught in schools across the United States as true factual history. It is not factual. Absolutely not. Um, and the, the lady who wrote it, she even said it was to guilt white people into paying slavery reparations and to get white people to give up whiteness. That's from the person who wrote it initially. By the way, um, it is accepted curriculum across the United States right now. I think the 3,500 number is way low to what it is now. And how is it getting into schools and how is it getting into classrooms? Well, if your school signs a contract with the parent company, which is the Pulitzer company, and they actually pay schools to teach it in their district. So they'll, they'll, your history teacher doesn't have to do any work. Your high school football coach, who's also a part-time history teacher, now he doesn't have to worry about where he's going to get his lesson plan for his history class. He signs up with this company, Pulitzer company. They will not only give him the curriculum, they'll give him the lesson plans, that follow the 1619 project, he gets that, and the school gets an endowment for 15, 20, 30,000 dollars. 
So now he can worry about developing his offense and defense because he's already got his curriculum done for him and the school district gets a little extra money out of it. That's how it's getting into schools. So the, some of the factual things that are absolutely asinine with this, they say that the founding was true. Founding was 1619. The year slaves were brought to Jamestown. Okay. Here's the problem with that. Um, Slavery would, did not exist in the Jamestown colony in 1619. Everybody was an indentured servant. So those captured Africans that were slaves, they sold a, a pirate ship, captured a slaving ship. They sold the majority of the slaves into slavery in what is now Florida, that at that time belonged to the Spanish, and they sold them to plantations. They had 20 slaves left, and they traded them for goods and services to the colonists in Jamestown. They all were indentured servants. And the maximum amount of time you could be an indentured servant in Jamestown in 1619 was 20 years. So whatever anybody tells you, every one documented provable historical fact, every one of those 20 slaves that were brought to Jamestown became citizens of the colony after 20 years or, or less, were given their freedom, were given a track of land, were given 10 pieces of silver and two changes of clothes after they finished their indentured servitude. So anybody who says they were slaves in Jamestown is lying to you. That's the premise of the whole project. They claimed that the reason why the Revolutionary War was fought was because King George was going to outlaw slavery. The British colonies kept slavery going well after the United States eliminated slavery. In fact, there are British territories or territories that fall under the British or fell under the British colonial system as, as less than two decades ago less than 20 years ago, that still have slavery in Africa. They're still selling people there. I've seen slave markets firsthand. I've seen them in Africa. So, yeah, to say that, that America was, we fought the Revolutionary War to keep slavery, that's actually factually wrong. And it also claims that out of slavery grew nearly everything and that we wouldn't have our society if it wasn't for slavery. And I disagree with that premise too. All right, BLM at school. Whoever came up with the name BLM, I have got to give them props. Black lives matter. Of course, black lives matter. White lives matter. Everybody's life matters. Whoever came up with that slogan is a ge marketing genius because what they did is they said, okay, black lives matter. Yeah. If you don't support Black Lives Matter, then you don't support Black people? Oh, man, they were smart on this. Well, BLM at School is an offshoot program, and here's what it does. They go into schools, and they have 13 core tenets that they teach the kids. And they say they're teaching them how, to, how Black Lives Matter and how to have a better society until you read their tenets. Restorative justice, globalism. Oh, they believe that we should be all globalists. 
They are queer affirming. This is their words, not mine. I copied it directly off of their website. Queer affirming network. So they are supporting a, a, a homosexual viewpoint and they want to eliminate the heteronormative thinking. In other words, if you're straight, you're bad. Uh, trans affirming. They absolutely support transgender folks and the transgender movement. They believe that we should get rid of, you know, that if you're a normal person that doesn't think that that doesn't think that transgenderism should be supported, that you're wrong, especially in youth. By the way, this is geared at K through 12. So they're targeting kids with this. Okay. Black villages. This one just absolutely drives me nuts. We are committed to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another to the degree the mothers and children are comfortable. In other words, you don't need dad. Dad has no place in their structure. It's mom and the village. It's exactly the opposite of what we've been talking about. They want to destroy what we've been talking about. Black men, even in their own words, we reject the sexual over-sexualization, criminalization, and mass incarceration of our black boys and men. They want to dismantle school-to-prison pipeline, adultification, and senseless killing of unarmed black and brown men. So in other words, the only thing, the only good use for black men is to get the woman pregnant, because we don't want them to be married, obviously. They say it in their own words. They want to get rid of families. So you get the woman pregnant so that she can raise so that she can, you know, have her life. And um, unless you're in prison or unless you're shot by a cop, you're really no use to Black Lives Matter. What what use do they have? It's destroying it. it it's absolutely insane. Okay, I talked about equity. One, I put the slide together and I've shared it a bunch of places. Let's take a look at what equity, equal outcomes would do to the justice system. Okay, total number of people in prison. And if you look at the percentage of US population, 61.3% are white, 30% of white, uh, the prison population is white. So in order to have an equal outcome, of population versus prison, we would have to add 756,000 white guys to prison. And in order to have, because only 13.4% of the US population is black or African-American and 33% of the prison population is black or African-American, we're gonna have to let out 473,000 black people. So basically in order to have equity, as these groups are calling for, we're going to have to arrest more white guys and put more white guys in prison and, and prison rates will be based on race because we got to let the black people and then we're going to have to let the black guys out. This is the insanity. You can see death row. Death row has only got 2,600 people, but we would have to add more white people on death row and subtract black people off of death row. Are you serious? But that is the, that's what happens when you apply equal outcomes. Equal outcomes does not work. And that's what equity is. 
So next time you hear your school or you hear your city council or your county or your state say, oh, we need to have equity in whatever. No, you want equality, not equity. Call them out on it. So nuclear family, a couple people have already talked about this. Changes of the nuclear family from 1950 to 2020. This is black families because Black Lives Matter, I really believe that they are, they are pushing this narrative onto the black community more than, obviously more than the white community. But if you look at the black community, a single household mother in 1950 was only 80, 18%. In 2020, 74.2%. Why? I've got my guesses. I've got my suspicions. One is societal, and the other part is the is the uh, social justice. The social services has done it because, see, if you if you're a single mother at home with a child, you get paid more in government subsidies. You get paid more in welfare. You get paid more in food stamps. You get paid more by society if you're on the poorer end of the spectrum, right? But if you are married, you get paid less. So, you know, BLM following their marketing plan. No, just mom and the community raise the kid. And that's all you really need. Okay, well, what happens when we get rid and we, you know, <laughs> Jamal, you talked about some of this earlier. And I, I've got some different statistics than yours. But what's the effect of a single mother home? Put all these up real quick. All right. So single mother homes, 63% of all suicides are from single mother homes. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. 70% of all teen pregnancies are out of single mother homes. 71% of, dr of drug and alcohol abusers are in single homes. 14 more like 14 times more likely to commit rape if you come from a single home. 80% of all prison inmates come from a single home and 90% of all homeless and runaway children come from single parent homes. This is why we need a nuclear family. This is why BLM's push to get rid of the nuclear family is so horrific. And I absolutely believe it is horrific. All right. Another fun one. And I'm going to try to, I know there's a whole lot of words on there. Like I said, I'll send you a copy of this so you can read it for yourself. This is all about gender dysmorphia and the transgender movement. Where in the world did this come from? Okay, if any of you a little bit older, like myself, can remember back in the day, we used to have a, we used to have this, this thing about, um, we used to have this thing about homosexuality was considered a mental disorder, right? And the American Psychiatric Association, right? The APA got it's together. Social pathology. Yeah. They got, they got together and they said, all right, we are going to eliminate that class that says homosexuality, that definitely is a mental disorder. We're going to get rid of it. 
So they just removed it from their books, right? That's because they got picketed. Yeah, oh, I know, but they just removed it. But what did they do with gender identity? See, gender identity used to be gender identity disorder. A disorder requires a treatment but can never be fixed. So again, they used word changes. They changed it from gender identity disorder to gender dysmorphia. Why the word change? Because the way to fix a dysmorphia is there, there is a way to fix it, to permanently fix it. Their idea is sex change operation. So they said we can fix a dysmorphia. So they changed instead of doing like they did with the with the homosexuality and just get rid of gender identity disorder and remove it. No, they kept it, but they changed the words. So now in order to fix a child or an adult who identifies as a different gender, they have to go through gender reassignment. This is all about the mighty dollar. Somebody said, why in the world would, you, would a psychiatrist or a pediatrician give a child gender-affirming drugs, stop their hormones, give them hormone blockers, and give them drugs that affirm their gender? Just the drugs alone, just the horm puberty blockers and the gender-affirming hormones gives e for each person that goes through a treatment, which is about two to three years, is approximately $700,000 profit per person. This has, I, you are never going to convince me that this is not about the almighty dollar. Drug companies, this is about almighty dollar. This is about how to put more profit, which is why they were supporting gender changes and puberty blockers and gender affirming drugs for children. But now there's been a recent study that's only come out within the last few months from the Heritage Foundation that actually said, no, hold on, back up. It actually causes a higher suicide rate if you do give minors, young people, these medications. You're increasing the suicide rate potential. So now they're starting to back off a little bit. But how far has the whole transgender thing got in society? Let's see if it plays. Okay, it's not going to play. Anybody uh, watch Muppet Babies as a kid? Everybody got grandkids watching Muppet Babies at home? This was actually televised about a year ago. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Gonzo is now transgender. So we are now going to take our preschool children at home and convince them and show them that it's okay to be transgender because Gonzo is. I used to really like Gonzo. I thought he was a cool character. I'd sit down and watch Muppet Babies with my, with my, with my daughters when they were younger, right? And now they're making, making Gonzo transgender. It, now Gonzo is Gonzarella. Yes. This was on public television. Oh, it's scary.
Here's a few things that's going on, and this is the state of Missouri. I have Missouri statistics because that's where I come from. All right. In the state of Missouri, and I think West Virginia, you guys are an abstinence-based state, right? Sex ed's supposed to be abstinent. Vaguely. It's supposed to be, it's implied you're supposed to be an abstinence-based state. Missouri law says, yes, we're an abstinence-based state for our sex ed. But the thing is, they don't put a cap on what can be taught. They only have a starting point. So you're supposed to start with sex ed. You're supposed to say the way you don't get pregnant or the way you you don't get an STD is, is you're abstinent, right? Okay, I'm, I'm good with that thought process. That makes sense to me. Well, what they've done is in addition to that, they'll do that, but they'll only do that for like a couple of hours in day one. And then they spend an entire semester doing sex ed and health class with kids now. So even though it's not required, you can see the numbers there. Re- teaching about sexual orientation, that's not required. Well, 46.7% percent of Missouri high schools are. Almost 50 percent are reported teaching about gender roles, gender identity, and gender expression. Again, we're changing the names. We're changing the names. Gender identity used to be what biological sex you were. No, now gender identity is how you feel. Do you really feel like you're a woman or do you, maybe you really feel like you're a man? You're just stuck in a woman's body. Except now they're teaching this to kids who are already confused enough. It, it's, it's absolutely insane. And reported providing curriculum and supplementary material relevant to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or questioning youth, 44% of schools. So if you think schools are not out there pushing a narrative that is not required by your state, you need to look. And I'd be willing to bet you're going to find some things that are going to really shock you. If anybody has not seen this book before, you need to go online, download it, and read it for yourself. National Sex Education Standards. Okay, this is not a required book. It is not a required national standard. A group called SECUS put this book together, and they are peddling it out there to schools and to states saying this is what national sex education should look like. So what are some downfalls with this, right? Because this is made up by a national group, you know, it was funded by our tax dollars through the Department of Education. So it it should be reliable information, right? So what's this book recommend? Well, it recommends third graders um, should learn about masturbation. Third graders, your eight-year-olds are supposed to learn about the sexual organs and be able to identify the difference between a labia and a clitoris in a diagram of a female anatomy, and they are supposed to learn about male and female masturbation in third grade. Sixth grade, 11-year-olds, 11, 12-year-olds, oh, Its recommendations is to teach them about how to have anal, oral, and vaginal sex and give them detailed explanation of how to have sex. So we're supposed to not be teaching our students. We're supposed to be teaching our students that abstinence is the right thing to do, but we're going to give them classes on 
how to have sex. And according to um, one, I can't remember what state it was in. I wish I could off the top of my head. There was a, uh, there was, uh, I cannot remember who said it for the life of me right now. I've gone brain dead on it. But I do remember the comment that we need to be teaching children about the joys of sexual pleasure. And yes, this is an authority that said this. They actually want to teach kids about the joys of sexual pleasure. These people. I know, I know. I'm, I'm going to try to hurry up here. Um, okay, books just, just in the state of Missouri. I, found a, I took a list of 25 books in the state of Missouri that I found that, that met the Missouri state definition of pornography, child pornography, rape, incest, or pedophilia contained in the books. In the books, guaranteed. I got a small sample up here. You guys are more welcome to look at it after we're done. So out of these 25 books, I found them in every school district in my state except one. Every single school district but one. Um, anybody who's got kids around your computer, tell them to leave the room, please. <laughs> this is one of the books that is in our state. I found this book in elementary schools. Fourth graders, third graders could check this book out. Isn't this appropriate? This is another book that I found in schools across the state of Missouri. Now, what was I able to do out of this? I was able to take those books, and I, ha I, I had only had four graphic novels that we were tracking in our state. We had a senator step up last year, actually pass legislation, and we got legislation in the state of Missouri that says graphic novels like those two I just showed you are not legal in K-12 through schools. They, they meet the state definition of pornography. They're not legal. Pull them. I just got a message on my phone just a, just a few minutes, literally about an hour and a half ago, and just has me all kinds of happy. Out of the list of four books that we had identified that met the state new state law, well, one of our school districts in Missouri actually librarian went through, did her job, looked through all the books they had that had pictures and were graphic novels, and they removed 22. Wow. So they found 22 books, and I will put the, and Rich, I will give the copy to you so you can throw it up on your side. 22 books that meet the definition of pornography that were pulled off the shelves of one school district in just Missouri alone. So stay, I encourage everybody, if you've got, if you, you want a mission, hey, Start talking to your school board, start talking to your legislators, get laws passed, start talking to your school districts. There is federal law that also supports being able to remove books because they are not age appropriate. That has been upheld by federal law. So if you've got a book that might not have the graphic pictures, but it graphically tells a story of a father raping his 11-year-old daughter until she passes out, incest, rape, by the way, the name of that book is the bluest eye. I have a copy of it. It actually explains in detail about a father raping his daughter until she passes out. 
and it's in a lot of schools. It's, it's schools across the country. So with all of that said, what I'm hoping you guys do is you take this information, you run with it, you tell people about it. We've got to get this stopped. We have to. We absolutely have to stop the insanity of what is going on to our kids in schools. And if you're not, if you're not aware of it, you need to start talking to people, get yourself aware, get involved with organizations. I'm with No Left Turn in Education, Moms for Liberty, Moms for America, Parents Defending Education. Pick an organization, get involved with them, get fired up, fight back. And our next speaker is going to talk about one of the ways you can fight back. So thank you very much, Rich. Thank you, Andy. Wow. A lot, a lot of crucial education. I'm sure there's some of those books in libraries in my district. So we definitely need to know about that. 